Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Good evening and welcome to another episode of That's Truth here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. I hope that you had a good day, but no matter how your day has been, I am glad that you have taken time out of your busy schedule on this Tuesday evening to join us on That's Truth. I will be sharing some contact information with you in just a minute of how you can interact with us during tonight's episode. But before I do, I'm Nathan Owens, and sitting across the desk from me is Pastor Murphy. Good evening, Pastor. Uh, good evening, Brother Nathan, and good evening to those who listen to the program. Thank you so much for giving us a chance to be in your home this evening. Now, the topic that we have tonight, we have not discussed here on That's Truth. It was actually suggested by a listener here in Antigua, and I want to say thank you very much to the individual who suggested it. And it has come up because it's something that's been discussed in the political realm. It's something that's been discussed in the social realm. It's something that's being discussed in homes, at workplaces, and I believe even also in religious circles. And it is the topic of marital rape. Now, Pastor, let's start out by defining what do you mean by marital rape, and how would you define it? Well, I, I think the um, best way of perhaps defining it is that it is really non-consensual uh, sex where a partner forces uh, the other spouse uh, to engage in sex uh, without the volition or the will of the person. So it's actually forced non-consensual sex. That's how you define it. Uh, one of the best definitions was given by t- three researchers, um, Bergen, uh, Pajlow, and Russell, who defines it this way. Any unwanted intercourse or penetration obtained by force, threat of force, or when the wife is unable to consent. Um, that's how they define it. Uh, legally, um, it is now viewed as a form of um, domestic violence and abuse. And uh, researchers have concluded that um, marital rape is never merely or exclusively about sex in itself. Um, It has more to do with power or the attempt to establish dominance and control over the wife. And it is more of a weapon and a tool in the vehicle uh, to accomplish um, um, more sinister goals like overwhelming her, overpowering her, embarrassing her, even humiliating her. And this is why um, this domineering attitude uh, that a wife is their property, therefore they have a right to sex at any time. Um, this is in, this entitlement have led um, the researchers to conclude that um, it's an element of really violence and, and abuse. And 
I am sympathetic towards that, that kind of evaluation. So you mention it, you define it, but is it really that big of a problem? Uh, when you do the research, um, it is said between 10 and 14% of all married women uh, these statistics, by the way, are U.S. statistics. We in the Caribbean always have a positive statistics. <laughs> but generally speaking, within the uh, U.S., between 10 to 14 percent of those married, that is equivalent to about 7 million w- wives who endure the, the agony of, um, of um, being um, raped or forced to have sex. Another, um, it's much broader than that because uh, one-third of the women uh, say that um, their partners have forced them to have sex. But they, I don't know if they would define it in that, that way of, is, is it because it's not just marital. We're talking people who are not married as well. Right. But one-third of people who are uh, women are saying that that's what, what happened. Historically, um, this has not been brought to the attention of the public and has not been a matter of being discussed in public discourse. Uh, and all of the rape statutes uh, always define rape as intercourse with a woman that's not your wife. So that virtually gave men license that since it's not, I can't commit rape and it, it, with my wife, that virtually gave them the right to, to force uh, sex on women. And it was not until only the 70s that this matter uh, began to be discussed, and especially the women's liberation movement. Uh, they got hold of it and began investigating and found that it was a monolithic problem, a huge problem, quite frankly. And then it, by July 1993, um, all 50 states in America had uh, defined it as a crime. However, there's still 30 states that allow exemptions from a husband being prosecuted for rape within the marriage. So it's a big problem. The other thing, Nathan, that generally speaking, once it has occurred in the marriage, it happens about 20 times within the, the marriage after that. So it just seems just a one. Not, it's thing. not just a one thing. Once it's like you once you you're able to do it, and there are no repercussions. Um, you know, and and then because the law was so heavily in favor of men, uh, they just felt that women were their property and they could do whatever they wanted uh, with women. So it's a, it's a very large problem. I don't know the extent of it. I, I I hope that we can do some research and investigation in the Caribbean. Those who are sociologists, et cetera, et cetera, maybe the UWI, the, the, uh, et cetera, can do that. But I did uh, see a um, in in uh, the Bahamas. Recently, uh, there have been a case, and it, uh, where the it was ruled that in in uh, the Bahamas, the laws and the statute books um, do not allow for a husband to be charged with rape uh, in a marriage. So it, it allows for like divorce, but rape doesn't exist, and unless the statute laws are changed, um, there is no legal recourse and no consequences unless it is criminalized in some way by, by, by parliamentary laws. But it is something that I think is going to happen because the feminist movement, quite frankly, um, is very, very aggressive, especially when it comes to defending women and uh, violence against women and abuse against women. So I think it's going to happen in the next few years. 
You're listening to That's Truth on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you have a question, whether it pertains to the topic we're discussing tonight, or maybe it's not related at all to that, that's not a problem. We want to hear your question and then answer it from a biblical worldview using Scripture. You can call and ask your question live on the air by calling one 268 462 Or you can WhatsApp or text your question to one 268 7821454 Pastor do you think it's a healthy thing that the government the ministry of um social transformation and uh different organizations are coming to the forefront and I'm speaking specifically here in uh-huh. Antigua and discussing this openly yeah, I think uh, we need to be more open uh, in the Caribbean. We've always been a hush-hush society, to be very honest with you. And when you have a hush-hush society, a lot of things go wrong, abuse, violence, and uh, the people who suffer the pain are, are least attention is least focused on them. And that's why I think there's been a almost a global rebellion against men by women because, quite frankly, they have been abused for quite some time. And um, when it comes to violence... There are uh, some people who think that they can beat a woman. That's it's her, you know. She's married to me. She's my property. I can do what I want to. That kind of a uh, barbaric attitude, I think, is is more common than than people think. Uh, but I do think it's a good idea that it's being discussed. The one thing that I am a little bit always concerned about is the pendulum swinging to the opposite end, to go from one extreme to the other. Same thing with uh, child abuse. Uh, you know, to the point now where they were saying you can't even do corporal punishment. I mean, that is ridiculous. But I understand because one parent has overdone it. It's no basis to to, uh, to generalize it and, and, and to ban it. So if we can retain some kind of balance and reasoning um, in this whole matter, I think it would be very, very helpful. And uh, it would release a lot of the pain and the anguish and the ignominy and shame uh, that women feel who go through this, this trauma. Are there different types or categories of this uh, topic of marital rape? Well, the uh, Violence Against Women, the international network, have classified three types, basically. And and I guess when we use the word, we'll understand why. Uh, They are classified as vaginal rape, anal rape, and oral rape. Quite frankly, those are the three classifications. And then they put it into different categories. For example, there's force-only rape. And that accounts for 4% of the, the cases, basically. So there's no battery involved, just force. And then between 20 and 70% is battered rape, where it is not just sex, but you, you beat, the person is beaten, uh, etc. And then the last one is called sadistic rape. Uh, this is where uh, there's a mixture of violence, but also a mixture of pornography, where the person who is raping the wife makes her look at the pornography and uh, wants his partner to enact whatever is depicted on the pornography. Uh, that's why they call it sadistic. It's, it's, it's quite quite brutal. Um, but those are the, the three, the vaginal, the anal, and the oral, and then the force only, the battered rape, and then the sadistic rape. Those are the classifications and the categories that uh, are normally uh, defined, defined this kind of uh, martial rape. Now, you mentioned that you believe it's a, a healthy thing that things are being discussed openly, and it's not just hush-hush to where uh, there's 
an unnecessary amount of violence, or I guess all violence uh, is unnecessary. But are there circumstances that are particularly high risk for wives being raped or abused by their partner? Again, the National uh, Association of of, uh, Violence Against Women uh, have mentioned that there are certain situations that are peculiarly create this high risk for women, and they have identified um, five of them. Uh, Number one, the women who are married to domineering men who have this idea that women are their property. Uh, That should be a caution to women when they are dating and uh, discussing what is marriage going to be like. You can pick up the attitude and you can ask certain questions. And even if you don't ask those questions directly, you should know somebody who knows the person to be able to assess how they look at women. But uh, that is one particular thing that once you have this domineering, macho type of person who thinks that marriage means that the wife is a property and anything, you can do with anything, that person who marries a person is at risk. Uh, the second thing is uh, women who are physically um, in a violent relationship uh, before they get into marriage and after they get married, when the partner is always threatening violence or have manhandled them fairly rough during the dating uh, process, and it becomes very, very clear that there is going to be some kind of physical abuse. Uh, so, uh, and and uh, women who are in these type of relationships that are violent, I don't know if you notice, Nathan, that um, there are cases where there is clear violence in a relationship, but because of the age of the person, the police can't do anything. Unless that person actually wants the police to do something. I can see, I can know that my neighbor is being beaten and they're married and I can make a complaint to the police force. But until the wife uh, gives permission or, or actually uh, file okay, charges, the, yeah, the police can't do anything about mm-hmm. that because of the age, right? Uh, and that, that really is something because some women are in a situation where they're totally dependent upon the man. Uh, he's the bread earner, et cetera, et cetera. He's, she's being brutalized. But uh, for the sake of being able to stay in the house, live in the house, have the access to different utilities and mobility, et cetera, et cetera, they, even though they're beaten repeatedly, they still keep remaining in that situation. And, of course, eventually you're going to carry them out in a body bag because they think that uh, the person normally would try to make up with them and, you know, he's not such a bad person, et cetera, et cetera. But that kind of abuse, a uh, person who in that kind of relationship, uh, normally is forced rape. And then a woman who is pregnant. That might seem weird. But when a woman is going through pregnancy, she is very reluctant to be engaged in sexual activity because in her mind, it can affect the child, et cetera, et cetera. So she is more withdrawn. And uh, that is an occasion when men seem to demand and uh, force uh, so uh, pregnant women. Women who are ill are recovering from surgery, uh, again, because of the starvation that a man has, so he doesn't have his sexual needs meet, uh, and he's making demands, but she's not responding. But now she is in a state where, um, you know, he feels that she's ready. She doesn't feel she's ready. She's no healing, whatever it is. So those, and, and then the other one is women who are separated or uh, from their natural, from their husbands. The husbands still feel because they're not divorced, she is still his property. 
So therefore, um, he can still exercise that, yes. Pastor, we have a call. Uh, thank you for calling, and go ahead with your question, please. Brother Nate, good night. Hi, hi, how you doing, Brother Williams? Pastor Murphy, good night. Good night, sir. My call from Montserrat. Oh, from Montserrat, okay, sorry. What, what can we do yeah. for you tonight? How you doing, sir? I love to identify myself. Okay. Um, yeah, and before me even pose the question, let me say that um, Brother Campbell do a very, very, very good job now you have Yes. Yeah, so um, let, me, let me put that on record too. Okay. Um, Pastor Murphy, not on this program, on one other program. You see the economy so tight, so I can't even call in all the time. You have to the money on the phone and so, you know? Yeah, I understand. But listen, you, the image, and you were saying that um, they should use, like, not, not a white man, but somebody from one, um, that kind of, that, the area there. You're referencing images of Jesus? Yeah, dying, dying from the cross. Uh-huh. Right. Well, they said that no image should be at all. And it gives give me so much a problem right now when I'm, in, when I'm witnessing and so especially especially when people want to come your way, then 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 the love for you and the white man, this and the white man. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No. Here we miss it. Uh-huh. Let me say Pastor Murphy write one book. Yes, sir. And while Pastor Murphy write the book, he got up editor. But then yes, your brother Nate, would that they um would that they get the right of the the book? Would that do what? The would editor would be right. Uh-huh. The, 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 would that they send one 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 proper message? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or you say no mix mixed message? Well, I am not too sure I'm... Uh, okay, okay, le- le- okay, le- let me go on. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's probably a little technical, so le- 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 let me go on. Here, yeah. let me now. Yeah. Then, then got one true picture of Jesus when he died on the cross. Uh-huh. You know, I think that camera saw me, me invent it and kind of something, right? Okay. So, so since then, I got one true picture. No image... For, for, for you put no one man no pandy cross I put you Jesus that 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 alone wrong uh-huh. you get that no there is even gonna be scripture no uh-huh. Jesus said no, no set up no grave in the graven image he said no set up no grave in the graven image right not John he said tell you man the, the time has come now that one true worshipper worship in spirit and truth and in truth, yeah. So me say no image since, since you know me got the, the, the correct picture. Mm-hmm. No image of the day. If you put up the cross, put up some little thing, you know, just represent like on somebody on the cross. But now on two pictures, oh, nobody. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if I uh, had to do it over again, I think I would probably draw a, a standard picture of. Uh, natural man, but with no face. It's just like a. It's just like, in other words, it's just like a um, an outline. 
if exactly. anything right yeah yeah but exactly. you know i understand i think we look we have the same problem we have the same problem i understand the problem that's the honest truth i really understand the problem uh but again i think people need to understand the historical context of what has happened uh, for example take care in antigua uh where, where i'm currently if you pass by the 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 school here the catholic school that is here on uh old param road uh, there's a picture of of Mary. She's black. The baby's black. I understand why they did that. They're in a, a black culture, right? The reality is, though, that uh, Christ was neither black nor white. He's Semitic. Okay. So, but I understand that that doesn't that doesn't bother me because I understand what what is happening. But there is has been a problem, and, and there's no way we can get around it. That there has been a problem. But the, the the thing is, how how do you address it? How do you change all Sunday school literature? How do you do that? And uh, since everybody's using visual aids to to try to help people comprehend it, uh, unfortunately, I think if we didn't have the the historical past, the colonial past, it would not be that much of a problem. But I think a lot of it has to do with the historical past that is now affecting how we view things. So, But I understand the problem. And there's a problem. I don't know how we're going to solve it, to be honest with you. I just think that it's something that uh, should be looked at and maybe addressed in the future. Because the Jesus we have in the pictures is not the Jesus that... Uh, I always imagine that the Antichrist is going to look like the one we see on the, on, on the <laughs> today. Honestly, I think that is what, what he's going to probably look. Uh, because I don't think that this thing is totally by accident. I think there's a, a, a much far uh, engineering of, of, of what is happening to bring about this ultimate deception that the Bible talks about. But I understand what you're saying, and I'm very sympathetic towards it, and I hope that uh, something can be done, if not at the international level, certainly at the local level, when we do, um, you know, if we ever were able to produce our own Sunday school literature, et cetera, et cetera. But um, some things are just uh, very difficult to change, even though it remains a problem. But I, 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 I am very sympathetic to what you're saying. Yeah. Me um, want to just run, um, instead of stopping and listening and run off because me just want to just make some comment and then you would, um, you would, you would think. Let me ask one, one more that, sure. that, 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 that you said there. Sure. Um, you may say like, um, like homosexuals and so, you, people, you're not supposed to eat from them. Not supposed to do what? Eat, 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 eat from them, eat from them. Eat. Uh, you didn't want them to be chefs. Oh, yeah. I, I, the, the reason for me, let me just tell you the reason for that, right? I don't know if you uh, have read any books on what is going on. I would suggest you if you go online and, bar and see if you can get one called The, Un the Unhappy Gay by Tim LaHaye, where medical doctors are explaining what these people do and how serious a health problem it is to the public. Right now we got another disease that we got from them called the monkeypox. And believe you me, there's more coming. You cannot shake a man's hand today if he is if he's engaged in certain activity and he has monkeypox. The, the, the mere shaking of his hand, you can become infected as well. So it's a very serious problem, and that's where it's a, it's a serious... Look, these people hardly live beyond 50. I don't know if you know that. The average, the average lifespan of a homosexual is, is, is just below 50. It's a serious hazard. They're walking museum of diseases, and that's why I feel that they should not be engaged in, um, in, in, in dealing with, with food, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Uh, that's my that's my personal view. Okay, I, that's just my personal view as a pastor. I don't hate them. I don't uh, I don't despise them. I think they need help. I think they're mentally sick. 
to be honest with you. I think they can be saved, they can be changed, they can be transformed, and I think the power of Christ can change them. But I do feel that in the interest of the public health, that there should be some restriction on what they can engage in. But again, this is my personal thing, okay? This is not anybody else's. This is my own personal thing. And then dealing with children. I don't think they should be dealing with children because homosexuals can only produce or reproduce themselves in the lives of children. They're going to start early. And that is what they, that, that's what they do to a great extent. This thing starts at a very early age. So they've got to raise another generation and they need the young kids to do that. So that is, but again, this is my own personal view uh, on these matters. No, I call, call on the agreement with you, but I just, me just um, I bring this in now, from a world standpoint, that people can understand that, listen, check out the hotels, uh-huh. check out the cruise ship, yeah. check out Right, check out um, even like a cooking competition yeah, anyway. Yeah. And these guys, they win all competitions and so, you know. <laughs> well, I'm aware of that. So, that is the so, folly so, of it. That's the folly so, of it. Sure, sure, go ahead. Let me go hang up. Go ahead. Right? Uh-huh. And these guys win out and fancies me little. Uh-huh. In the 50s now, coming up. You hear, them are the best chefs, them food are the sweetest. Yeah. Okay, man. Good chatting with you. Thanks for calling. Appreciate that. Thank you for your call and appreciate you listening for Montserrat. Keep encouraging others to tune in to That's Truth here on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, 1160 AM, 92.3 FM, online at org. And for this program on Tuesday evenings, you can also join us on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page. And while you're watching the Facebook Live video feed, you can listen to the program, watch behind the scenes, and you can comment in the comments section your concerns, your questions, your suggested topics, and they'll get passed along to Pastor Murphy live on the air. If you want to send in a question and you want to send it via WhatsApp or text message, but you want it to remain anonymous, when you send it in, just put anonymous. The call screener, when she passes it on to me, won't even mention what uh, region of the world it's, the phone number is related to, whether it's this hemisphere or not, it'll just remain anonymous. So you can call and ask your question live on the air. The phone line is now open and available again. You can call 268-462-7420, or you can WhatsApp or text your question to 268 268- Seven eight two one four five four. You can call with a question about any topic, but until we receive your question, we are going to continue the topic that we're discussing this evening, which is the topic of marital rape. You may be, have just tuned in and said, why in the world are you discussing that on the Radio Lighthouse? We're discussing it because it's something that has come up even in the social realm in society here in Antigua. It's being discussed from the political level as to whether to criminalize the act of marital rape and is it possible for there to be rape within marriage. And we're here to discuss it from a biblical worldview and to give you uh, some information that will be beneficial as you form your own uh, view and opinion and answers for those who may be asking you difficult questions that say, hey, you're a Christian. What do you believe about this topic? Pastor Murphy is here tonight to discuss it from a biblical worldview and to give you 
some answers. Pastor, you were referencing five high-risk uh, circumstances or situations where women are more likely to be victims of marital rape. Anything else you want to discuss about that before we move on? No, I just think that some of it is very peculiar. But I, I mean, if you're, if anybody has had a uh, married and, and, and had children, you do realize that there are times when your wife is pregnant that you there's a period of abstinence because of the and I understand that you know for men, unless you have a measure of self control and you are considerate and compassionate i can I can see why this would be a particular circumstance that is very high risk for 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 women and then if you've had a prolonged period of illness where the person is unable to function normally, I can see again why that'd be a high risk but again, if a person is has genuine authentic love for his wife. Uh, these are times when they should learn temperance and self-control. See, but again, that is not the mindset there. If a, if a wife is my property, and I have a right to have my 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 uh, sexual needs satisfied at any cost, then with that kind of domineering domineering attitude, you can see why these things are so problematic uh, for women. What advice do you have for a woman who's listening right now and says, Pastor Murphy? I'm in a circumstance that you're describing there. How should I progress? How should I how should I move forward? What should I do? Well, I, I would recommend that um, find if you have a pastor. Number one, if you're a Christian and you're within a church, I think you should um, try to get help from your pastor or the pastoral staff. Or uh, if you've got a Christian, good Christian counselor, I think you need to to discuss this thing. And I would uh, recommend as well that once you are able to discuss that, I think it need to be able to uh, suggest uh, that your partner get some kind of, of counseling. Um, you, you know, the relationship is going to be torn, and uh, it, it is not going to be where there is love, um, and you will find that eventually you can't function sexually. Uh, sexually. Uh, and uh, it becomes a nightmare, and that situation. If you, if you, you know, if you're married, you think of it for twenty years. That's how you're going to live. Surely, that is not conducive to a happy home and a, and a, and a home of peace. So uh, there needs to be some some recourse to turn to some kind of help to get that. What you, uh, most women will find out though that women are more apt to come for counseling than men. Uh, and part of the reason for that is human male pride. They think that if they have to get counsel, it means that they are failures. And uh, this is part of the problem that we have with men. But hopefully with t- t- um, openness and talking, et cetera, et cetera, we might be able to change some men's way of thinking and uh, let them know that, you know, everybody needs counsel at some point in time, including men. Um, and hopefully that would, would help. But you need, if you're in that kind of a situation, uh, you need help uh, because I can't see how you can function uh, intimately with any measure of, of, of degree of, of pleasure or any level of degree of satisfaction. Uh, it must be misery to, to go through that kind of turmoil. Uh, and, and help need to be sought to help there. What are the effects or what kind of effects result from non-consensual sex or rape? Yeah, one of the biggest myths, Nathan, is that uh, marital rape is somehow less serious or less traumatic than 
other forms of sexual violence that, that women face. Uh, the fact is that marital rape is just as traumatic and there are physical, emotional and psychological consequences that issue from this kind of thing. In terms of physical effects, uh, they include injuries to the uh, vaginal and the anal area depending on what kind of sex you're talking about. Uh, you've got lacerations, you have soreness, you have bruising, you have torn muscles, uh, you have fatigue and in some cases for sure it involves a lot of vomiting uh, for women. When it's come to uh, gynecological effects, uh, you've got vaginal stretching, you've got pelvic, pelvic uh, inflammation, uh, you have, uh, in, in some cases, unwanted pregnancy, you didn't plan for it because it's forced on you, you have, in some cases, miscarriages, you have stillbirths, you have bladder infections, uh, of course, STDs, um, you've got uh, sometimes infertility. And then when it comes to psychological effects, Nathan, um, you've got uh, PTSD, uh, believe mm -hmm. it or not. You have anxiety, you have shock, you have an intense fear that women have, you have depression, and sometimes you have suicidal ideation. Actually thinking, I can't endure this, and uh, the best way to end this is to end my life. Uh, then there are long-term um, psychological effects. Uh, sometimes when you've got sleeping disorders, you just can't sleep, insomnia. Uh, eating disorders, it affects your entire life. Then there's this deep depression that you can't seem to get yourself out of. Then you have intimacy problems. Uh, you develop a negative self-image of yourself, and then it ends up finally with sexual dysfunction. You just can't function sexually. You have no interest in sex anymore. Uh, so when you when you take this whole entire list, both the physical, the psychological, the gynecological, uh, it is it, it turns a woman into a mess. And I think if a man would just put himself in her position, uh, unless he has no no heart or no sympathy, uh, I I think he should be able to see the devastating impact he'll have. I mean, there's a human being you're talking about who has a will and have a choice and have emotions and who expects to be treated with compassion and love, but yet finds themselves in a position where they're virtually like a, a, a chattel house, a, a piece of property that I can be abused and misused and uh, uh, anytime, anywhere, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very, 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 very traumatic, traumatic for women. And um, the more you, you see these things and read about these things and investigate these and research these things, the more you understand why uh, uh, there is uh, a real backlash that men are facing today in regards to women, uh, with the women's liberation movement. They, they feel virtually that men have enslaved women for quite a long time and abused them for some time, and now they're claiming liberation, and it's gone from one extreme to the other extreme, and that's what we got to avoid. We've got to have a Christian balance on these matters. Do you know, do all countries recognize the possibility or the reality of marital rape, or is this a fairly narrow, narrowly recognized? Well, the immediate answer to that question is no. Um, I mentioned earlier that the uh, the legal acknowledgement of spousal rape as a crime is something that is relatively new, and only a few countries in the 1970s and now in the, 19, in the 80s and the 90s um, began to give great attention to it and put legislation in, in law uh, that uh, uh, criminalize it. Today, there's still a lot of countries, including several in the Caribbean, that don't have any s um, statutes on their books in relation to marriage that would classify marriage as rape. That's why in the Bahamas, for example, the 
the court have declared that uh, a man can't rape his wife because it's not codified in law and it's never been acknowledged that way. Uh, and there's still some countries and that, that don't even haven't even come to the idea of the possibility or the reality that rape could actually happen uh, within marriage. So um, the answer to that question is clearly there's several, and uh, I think that's why you have the discussion going on now in the Caribbean and in Antigua, and that's why you, as you mentioned earlier the government and other um, uh, groups are trying to come up with some kind of laws to put them on the books that would acknowledge that there is such a thing as, as rape and perhaps have some kind of uh, sanctions against it and, and have the person have legal recourse. Uh, maybe that's what's going to happen in the future. Pastor, I'm looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 3. It says, Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. Is that not evidence of the Bible teaching that it's okay for uh, this to take place? Well, uh, look, if you take that verse in total isolation, uh, you can very well understand why men have developed the attitude that um, they have a right to it and they can have it any time they want it uh, in spite of the wife's objections. Uh, but again, uh, when you look at the passage of God there, there is the emphasis of the mutually sharing of the body and there should be no exclusivity when it comes to the body. There's no question about that. Uh, but surely... Um, when it comes to this matter of intimacy, uh, marriage, marriage is far more than sex, and it involves yeah. such things as love, compassion, and, and submission. And uh, so to demand sex, uh, it still has to be regulated by higher moral principles. Uh, so you just can't look at a passage without looking at the overall biblical context of other issues and other principles that come to play within this matter within this matter um, if, if 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 sex is uh to be had at any time any place uh, by your demands uh, without any other principle of like uh, um, temperance or or uh, agape love or consideration whatever it is it means that sex is merely recreational or prostitutional or mechanical. And it has to be more than that uh, for intimacy uh, in marriage. Um, so I, I would suggest to you that um, you must take this passage of Scripture. It does have, have to do with the mutual um, right to each other's body and that there should be no exclusivity involved and there should be a... Um, a, a each person satisfying the needs of, of the person, the, the question about that is how God did, uh, intends it to happen. But the reality is that to suggest that it doesn't involve consent and that you can just make demands, uh, again, you're violating another biblical principle which has to do with love. Love is not selfish. And when you go to Corinthians chapter 13, uh, you'll find that uh, kindness is consideration, thoughtfulness, tenderness, 
is, is emphasizing. We'll talk about that in Corinthians chapter 13. So, and the highest moral principle, the highest virtue is love. So, sex has to occur in the context of love. And that is why there are other principles outside that. Uh, that that need to be borne in mind, and you just can't use that one exclusively uh, in, in marriage. Sex is a gift from God, and the two mar- two persons must share uh, volitionally uh, this gift that God has given to them. But uh, it must not be physical coercion or abuse or violence against women. Um, so we have to be very very careful not to take one simple verse of scripture and uh, exclusively think that that alone dictates the entire spectrum of sexuality between a husband and wife. There are other principles that the Bible talks about. Paul is just dealing with this particular one, but to ignore all the others, which are far more superior in terms of love being the overall archening, how can you want sex outside of love? I mean, that is, that is cruel, to be very honest with you. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more? I mean, how do you find that balance? Oh, or where where is that balance? Well, I think there in are the other corrupted, <laughs> messed up world <laughs> yeah. we're in. Yeah, we're living in a sinful world, Nathan, and I think the, the, because of human depravity and man is fallen, and uh, you know, and of course the uh, we'll talk about the 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 bombardment that we're getting every day. The entire society has become sexualized, mm. and sex has become an idol. Quite frankly. Uh, uh, and, and and this is is being pushed in every direction. So we've got people who are thermocharged, and the the men in particular, they they this you know we, we talk about. It. But let me let me explain what I mean by that. Let me elaborate on that. There are other biblical passages that have to do with the husband and wife relationship that help you to modify what you have there. For example, look at Colossians three nineteen. Colossians three nineteen says. Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. Right. That word bitter, by the way, comes from the Greek word, which means to cut or to prick. So it means to to be sharp or pungent. And the whole idea there, and by the way, it's in the active voice. So it's saying to men, don't irritate your wife, don't embitter your wife, and don't be harsh towards your wife. That's what it is saying. So you take that now. Okay, I have a right to her body is mine, mine is hers, mutual. But again, I still have to take that principle into play. I can't be, I can't uh, embitter her by being harsh to her and not take her feelings into consideration at such an intimate moment. What if she's not feeling up to it? What if she's not well? What if she her, her, her issues that she's grappling with with her mind and she's not in a disposition really to engage in that? I, I mean, should I be harsh to say, well, God said I could demand of you, you know. I mean, that's why he says. You think people really do that? Of course, man. <laughs> Are you kidding? This is a raw world that we're living in, you know, Nathan. And if women would be very honest and begin to tell you what really happens in the mm-hmm. bedroom, you you would be shocked. Your hair would curl because you're talking are, within men that are claim to be Christians. Of course, it's, it's a brutal system. Why do you think, for example? I've had people who have um, argued, and I won't mention the case, basically, that it is uh, a husband and wife should sit down and watch pornography before they engage in, 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 in I mean, I, I can't even conceive of that, right? Uh, but these are not unsafe people I'm talking about, you know. 
I'm talking Christians. That's the that's the mindset that people have. We are so far away from biblical truth, and so uh, our minds are so corrupted by the culture around us that we we are unable now to think biblically in, on these matters. But that is one verse that clearly would have to come to play within the context of sex. Don't be harsh towards your wife. Don't irritate her. Don't don't embitter her. I don't have a woman uh, that would um, that her husband would force her himself upon her and rape her, who would not be bitter, who would not be angry. Mm. Right? I, I can't see it. Uh, I mean, as long as she's human, she's got feelings. Right. You don't want anybody make you do anything you don't want to do. As a man. Imagine somebody so overpowering you, making you do something you don't want to do. I mean, you'll be very, very bitter. Well, men need to put their sh- put themselves in the same situation of a woman to understand how traumatic it is for her. Another one, Nathan, is Ephesians 5.21. Ephesians 5.21 reads as follows, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Again, it's talking about mutual submission. Now, it'll go on to tell you that women submit themselves to the husband, but notice there's a mutual submission. So I can't have my way all the time. That's a reality. There are times when I have to submit to my wife in the sense that she says, you know, had a bad day, tired, weary, whatever it is, not up to it. It's a mutual thing. So, so just to say that, to take that one verse, and not even, and by the way, this is dealing with in the context of marriage. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, you'll see that Tom, what a woman's main role is to love, uh, to submit to her husband and show respect, and the husband's main role is to t- establish the tone of love within the, the setting. But again, notice that this is supposed to be a mutual submission. It, it does say to her, submit, but it also submit one to another. There are times when there's a give and take situation. So again, you can see how that is applicable to the uh, intimacy between a husband and a wife. There are times when you have to, you know. And then the other one, of course, Nathan, is Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, I want you to read a few verses there. Start with verse 1. Um, no, I want you to read verse number uh, 4. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Okay, just take that for just a moment. So it involves being able to put up with something for some time. And it also involves being kind. That's what love is. In the context of sex, for example, there are times when you may feel that um, you're deprived too long, whatever. But there are times when you have to understand her situation and just for a period of time endure it. You know what I'm saying? You have to be kind as well. You just can't ignore her sensitivity and her, her mindset and her feelings. So again, this principle of love certainly has to come into the context of, of uh, sexuality. Look at um, uh, verse 5. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. Again, take those two together, right? I mean, it's not in a, it doesn't act inappropriately. It doesn't take its own self-interest. Uh, and that's the thing about biblical love. It's not focusing on what I want. It's focusing on what's on the best interest for the other person. Uh, so you can see, okay, here I want intimacy, but the, the, my wife doesn't want it. Um, I am not going to be so selfish and mean that in spite of what you want, I'm just going to make you tonight, basically. Uh, that's why I say to you, you just can't take one verse. And uh, I'm trying to say you need to integrate other biblical principles, etc. Look at all sorts um uh, verse 5 5C go ahead 5C uh, seeketh not her own is not easily provoked thinketh no evil again um, 
Well, because she's not yielding to me now, I get very angry. So I, I, I put some, I batter her, basically. That's not love. That's not love. It's, you know, you, you might be angry at the time that because of what you, you want, but again, you, you, it's not going to the extent. Love causes you to mitigate that and control that and temper that, okay? And then also look at um, verse 7. Bearing all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Again, so that tells you that, quite frankly, that your passion and your desire and the non-fulfillment, that you should be able to bear that and you should be able to endure that, uh, that um, not, need not being met for a period of time. You can't be the kind of person that demands it, uh, etc. So when you take, when you take uh, Colossians, you take Ephesians 5, you take um, Corinthians chapter 13, and you bring that into the matrix of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you see there has to be interplay. You just can't look at one verse in isolation. And that's why I said that even though there's a, a mutual giving to each other, you still got to understand it has to be done in the context of love. It has to be the context of mutual submission to each other, and it has to be the context that you must not be harsh towards the wife and embitter her, etc. And then um, one other thing, uh, one other passage, Galatians, um, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Galatians chapter... Uh, 5, chapter 5. Galatians 5, and what verse? I think it's down in the 20s or something like that. All right, uh, verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, uh, wrath, no. envies, murders. I think it comes either before that. I think it might come before that. I didn't write down the verse. What is it specifically? Uh, the love, uh, the fruit the of the Spirit. The fruit the of the... Sp- yeah, uh, yeah. 22. 22, okay. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Take take three of those fruit, okay? Take long-suffering again. That was mentioned mm-hmm. already. But take the other one, gentleness, gentleness. Take the other one, temperance, self-control, okay? That has to come into play uh, within the context of, of the love relationship between a husband and a wife. So I'm just saying there are other biblical principles that uh, come into this matrix that help to modify uh, the person uh, taking that verse exclusively and uh, saying to her, you see what the Bible says, I demand, I demand, I demand, right? You can't do that. There are other things. And then one other one, Nathan, Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Philippians chapter 2, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Uh, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Yeah, the mindset there is subordinating one's rights in the interests of the other person. And the, Paul would go on to say, you know, put the other person before you. And then he wants to say, uh, the mind of Christ. And he explained what the mind of Christ, that he had the right to have equality with God, but yet he laid that aside in the, in the interest of our welfare. And the point is there that we all want to claim we have rights in marriage, but at times when we have to subordinate our rights in the interest of the other person, uh, just like our Lord did. So my, my point is that uh, these are some very broad principles that color the whole spectrum of, of uh, the Christian life, including the martyr life. And the, we've got to remember that <clears throat> love is persuasive, rights and power <coughs> are coercive. And um, so it is not just simply taking a verse of Scripture and using it exclusively without allowing other principles to bring to bear upon that source is modified. 
You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. The name of the program is That's Truth. We are live on Tuesday evenings from 7.30 p.m. until 9 p.m. We still have about 38 minutes left in tonight's program. So you can go ahead and call in with your question by calling 1-268-462-7420. Or you can WhatsApp or text your question to 1-268-782-1454. Maybe you have a question, but you're saying, this is a heavy topic you're talking about tonight. My question doesn't relate to it at all. That's not a problem. Go ahead and interrupt what we're saying and ask your question. But until we hear your question, we will continue on this topic. You can also join us on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page. For those of you who are joining us that way, welcome. Whether you're joining us on 1160 AM, 92.3 FM, or online at radiolighthouse.org, or maybe you're listening to this as a podcast months and months from now. Maybe you are listening to the rebroadcast of this on Saturday afternoon. You can still send in your question via WhatsApp or text message in the next live episode that we do. Pastor Murphy will answer your question. 1-268-782-1454 is the WhatsApp or text number. Let me just take this opportunity to say... Uh, thank you to the individual who suggested this topic or asked a question about this topic. And we want this program, again, to be as practical as possible. So if there's something that you hear discussed in your workplace, in society around you, in your church, in your home, go ahead and suggest the topic and we will give a consideration and pastor will do research and discuss it from a biblical world view. Now, again, if you just tuned in, we're talking about marital rape. And is it possible? And, Pastor, you've been mentioning that even through the verses with the fruits of the Spirit, but you've been talking about it from a biblical love perspective. What about for the couple that's listening tonight that says, we're not Christians? Mm-hmm. What advice do you have when it comes to this topic? Or, uh, or uh, advice for life? My, my simple advice is, is this. Uh, whether you're a Christian or not, uh, love uh, is tender, love is selfless, and I don't think it just relates to biblical love, although that's the definition. I do think that everybody wants this same basic form of love, etc., etc. Um, I would suggest that you must not put up with this, if this is a, a continuous thing that's happening, um, I think you need to get help, maybe go to the um, the women's organization here that uh, deals with violence against women but um, it is not going to lessen it's going to increase and the fact that you are so passive is actually the endorsement and encouragement for this thing to continue and it must be a hell for you to be going through this kind of thing and not being able to have any recourse at law or or have any any person to help you if you are, I mean, churches are always willing to help if if, they, if you can. So even though you don't belong to a church and you need help, um, I can't think of a church that would not try to reach out to you to try to help with the situation. That might also invo- involve if your husband is open to conversation and, and discussion to actually approach him as well. Uh, but it, it, I can't, um, the thought of a person enduring uh, something of this nature is so repulsive to my, my way of thinking that I think that some action is needed. Uh, the indignity of, of, of being brutally um, um, 
forced to non consensual uh, sex. It's, it's, it's just it just pains me to think that this could really happen, and it does happen so regularly. Pastor, I've seen some quotes from some individuals who say that if a society is built on Christian biblical standards, that there's no room to consider marital rape being a criminal offense. Would you agree with that? No, I look, I do feel that we are not owned by anybody but by God, whether we're Christians or not. Okay, he is the creator. We go into a marriage and we make a contractual agreement, and uh, um, you know, and we, we we make those kind of choice, make those kind of vows. Uh, but clearly, uh, to, su- to to suggest that we give up our volition, our will, our choices, and the right to make decisions, and we just become robotic, just following commands, uh, that is not the biblical or a uh, biblical uh, description of what a relationship is all about. And remember that the, the family is supposed to reflect the marriage, the relationship between Christ and the church. Christ doesn't demand of, of believers. He wants them to do His will, and He will do everything in His power to move them in the direction of His will. But He doesn't uh, bully believers into doing His will. Uh, he works through the process of the will and uh, through his example and through his mentoring, um, he is able to bring about change in our lives. And I think that's what it has to happen within a marriage. Uh, let's be very on- f- honest that uh, in, in many cases, uh, a man's testosterone might be at a very high level than other men, and the demand there might be more than, than some marriages. But again, uh, maybe when we begin to uh, later in the end of the program, these are things that need to be dealt with before marriage. You don't go into marriage and be shocked. And the problem I found uh, in, in certain cases is that there are two people who are now dating, Nathan, and they see, two of them seem like uh, two hot potatoes. And uh, she seemed to be, you know, so sexy. He, he, he falls in love with, with that sexy thing, and that's what he's going after. Then he discovers in the marriage is an iceberg, and that shocks him. But, and that is why the dating process and the premarital counseling that precedes that is vitally important to explore these areas so that there are no unnecessary surprises when you get into marriage. But um, I don't have to answer your question. I'm just simply saying that uh, when it comes to uh, a Christian um, view of, of marriage, whatever it is, uh, we can't exclude the idea of volition and cooperation and, and freedom and liberty um, and, and a choice. I think that to do that would be to have something less subscription. Pastor, we have a question that has come in from a listener. Pastor, what is your opinion on a narcissistic husband refusing to have sex with his wife for months on end one time being five months, then eight months, then a year. He gives all sorts of excuses. He cheats, and when confronted in counseling, he's gaslighting the wife and successfully convincing more than one counselor that the wife is insecure and disrespectful. The woman refuses to ask for sex anymore and has no interest. He then tried to have sex with her in her sleep without even a conversation. Thankfully, her cycle came on three different occasions. He tried one other time. He tried again, and she said she can't without protection. He said okay and came back another time with protection. As a Christian wife, 
Should she be intimate with him without even an explanation? It's sickening to think of when you know it's a form of punishment. That song, that's a, that's a, that's a whole heavy download of, of, of yeah. stuff there to, to really go through and look through it and, and stuff like that. And I'm not too sure I've totally absorbed of it, quite frankly. Um, uh, that's a difficult situation, Nathan. I, I don't know if I can respond to that here immediately. I, I, need, to, I need to probably look at it, writ, written for me, give it, send me, and let me look at it and, and give a better response. All I would say to uh, a wife, generally speaking, um, you do have certain um, marital obligations within marriage, and one of those is to meet the uh, the, the needs of your husband. But again, um, there are times when the situation is such that there's no um, real romance in the whole situation. It becomes strictly almost like a, a mechanical uh, exercise. Um, as much as possible, I would would still encourage a, a wife to try to um, at least try to meet some of those obligations etc even if the husband has been cheating on her well well cheating is a different thing altogether i i have a very whole, strong view about that um i think if i had a husband if i was advising a wife who had a husband is cheating um he would have to i would recommend that she he has to get a test if he wants to have intimacy with her he has to get a test and have it cleared that he doesn't have any STD or HIV, whatever it is. People are playing Russian roulette with their life today, and the, and, the, and the myth is that, you know, you can live with AIDS and it doesn't bother you, but it's a miserable life because all these pills you've got to be talking, taking, it it, it disrupts your, your normal life. And uh, you, 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 it, it's a, the myth that everything is okay and that you can just use medication, et cetera, et cetera, is one of the big myths. Is, um, you live longer, but it's a miserable life. Imagine having to take uh, dozens of tablets every week or, or whatever it is, and the fact that it affects you, because all of these tablets have effects upon you, these side effects. So I would, I would certainly uh, would not engage in sexual activity until I had some kind of medical clearance that there's nothing there that I can't catch. Remember that, um, and especially if you have children, You've got to be thinking of living for your children. You just can't be thinking about uh, the husband alone. I mean, am I going to be wrong if he gives me something that I, my life is cut short? What happens to my child? So I think that needs to be. And of course, if there is unfaithfulness like of that nature, and it's repeated unfaithfulness, you do have biblical grounds for divorce. I'm not. I always would recommend the attempt to heal of marriage. I'm not not um, trying to rush you into a divorce, but. Uh, there comes a point where if you tried everything and infidelity continues, believe you me, you have song biblical grounds for, for divorce if you need to have divorce. Um, that would be my immediate counsel at this point in time. But I would look at the look at it uh, when I after the program, and I'm going to respond in a much more detailed way uh, next next week. Thank you to the individual who sent in that question and as. Pastor said, very heavy and heartfelt. Thank you for your willingness to share. And we will uh, start out next week's episode, Lord willing, by answering that in more detail. We're talking about marital rape. And Pastor, a lot of the answers you've given have referenced the fact that our society is broken, that there's sexual problems and issues today. 
why do you think we're having so many of these issues? Are they all new issues, or is it just they're coming more to light? Well, I think there are several uh, contributing factors to the the state we're in uh, with this um, complete sexualization of the entire um, culture and society. Um, it has a long history, but when I say long in terms of current history, for example, this whole thing started in the 60s, the sexual revolution with drugs and sex, where people were now claiming to be free, there was no restraint, etc., etc. And then, of course, that led to changing moral values in society. Until today, people have a relativistic attitude. Well, you know, the idea is, you know, it might be wrong for you, it might be right for me. So the idea of absolutes is pretty much gone because we've lost a Christian consensus. The other thing, Nathan, is easy divorce. Uh, when people previously went into a marriage, it was viewed as permanent. There was no idea of jumping ship if things didn't turn out right. Today, people go into marriage, and you know, if it doesn't work, okay, jump ship. And the church accommodates that because the church doesn't ask who's a guilty party, who's an innocent party. Uh, sometimes it's numbers. Sometimes it's people who are financial standing in the society. And the church is looking more at the income, the growth of the church, as opposed to what is morally correct. And then, of course, um, I think the open availability of of, uh, of condoms has uh, also exasperated the, the situation and, and, and caused the, this, this moral decline. Um, and the other thing is the what I call the exponential, exponential growth of universal availability of pornography. Nothing, I think, has done more damage to sexuality and, and, and marital, created marital than, than, than pornography. It's a multi-billion dollar uh, business, and I think this is the the the, the, the 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 other one too is the what I call Hollywood distortion of the mythology of romantic love, and I I, I want to draw a, an analogy here, Nathan, because I think it helps people to understand what is going on within the the uh, male female relationship and husband and wife relationship. Women. Uh, have a tendency to watch a lot of soap operas, a lot of romantics, the, the romantic stuff. Hollywood has created a fictional concept of romance. So women want that kind of romantic love. Uh, and uh, I think that they're, they're expecting a, a, a deeper and a higher quality of love than what men are offering. And that's because I think these soaps have presented a false view of what home life is like and what romance is like you hardly ever I mean I don't watch these things but you never see a man <laughs> coming home tired weary right. and the wife been cooking all day she got flour in her hair and she, you know, everything went bad Hollywood makes it think man you just come home the wife is ready you're ready to, you know <laughs> it's it, it, and that is punged into your mind almost at every program imagine f- from age 16 or 70 even watching this book you're now in your 30s Imagine how much of that you're getting you. So you think that's real. That's not real. So women want real. The thing about men, however, is that men watch pornography, and they want kinky sex. They're not too much concerned about romance. They want more sex, and they want um, bizarre sex and esoteric sex. Something. See, so you've got one who wants romance and one who just wants kicks. So you've got a very bad combination. Neither is satisfied with the other, but Hollywood has created one, and Pornology has created the, the other myth. And I think this is where we are today with a lot of the confusion between uh, male and female and husband and wife. Uh, and that is why they, they, they don't seem to be satisfied, and they're actually going outside of marriage. The other thing I would uh, say as well, um, 
uh, Nathan is and uh, the the going out of the home uh, especially for women into the workplace is the main source of infidelity the workplace Okay, that has helped to create the the confusion, and create the the kind of mess we're in. Uh, and I'm not against women working. I don't want anybody to say to think that. But the fact is that this has really, really in- increased the infidelity uh, that's happening. And then uh, the other thing is too. I don't think the church it, it has failed to be in the vanguard of um, presenting a positive biblical view of what Christian sex is all about. Uh, I don't know if it feels as it's not their job. I don't know, but there's not this positivity that, you know, Christians... Sex is God's gift. It's not human gift, quite right. frankly. And the church should be should have been there in the vanguard explaining what the biblical concept is and how it fits into the marriage life, etc., etc. And I don't feel that the church has done an adequate job of that. And consequently, this distorted view is the one that is in the marketplace, and that's the one that everybody uh, is going after. So I think that part of it has to do with the failure, the, 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 the neglect of the church in presenting this positive biblical view of sexuality. So what we have is that uh, <coughs> the world idolizes sex, and the church has minimized it. And uh, so again, all of this, these factors have created uh, the mess, I think, that we're in today. So you've given us kind of a an overview of the problems that we're facing. I don't even know if this is a fair question. How do we even begin to attempt to fix them? Well, uh, I just would mention well, maybe four things that I think are vitally important if we're going to start to, to re- address this matter and, and probably try to bring about some kind of a change. One of the things that I think we have to, to under, is try to understand the cause of how we got to where we are. And that's why I gave you kind of a brief panoramic history of how we're in. And I think that we cannot begin to deal with this distortion until we deal with those two main elements that's created this this myth about, 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 about sex. One has to do with the romantic aspect of it. We have to, uh, women in particular, have got to cut out that sewage coming into their mind. If if that keeps coming in and keeps coming in, and that's what they perceive uh, that they, that that this is what it is all about. Men on the other hand has to deal with the pornographic fantasy that they have that they get on the internet. Uh, if they don't deal with these two aspects, the men have to be disciplined enough to uh, control the temptation to watch pornography. Women have to be disciplined enough to cut off this this false romance that they're getting that is creating this uh, this sense that uh, there's a deficiency in the male. They're not getting that kind of thing. So I think that is at the, one of the core things that need to be understood. If we don't understand that and we don't address that, no matter what else we try. Let me just yeah. jump in real quick. Now, does it have to be on the internet? Does it have to be on a TV? Could it be in written form, novels? Well, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. No, I'm, I'm just saying that because it's the most prevalent one. Right. But right. clearly, uh, something has to be done. Sewage in, sewage out, quite frankly, right? right? And, and and men have a responsible part, then women must do that. If, we do, if they don't deal with that, 
I don't see how we're ever going to get a handle on this. And this is where we need self-control and discipline and temperance uh, in these matters. The other thing, Nathan, I think that the church must um, come to the fore and, um, as I said, present and teach a positive biblical view of, 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 of sex. And and um, I want to suggest to you that I think that the best principles that I have heard enunciated uh, are those given by Dr. J. Adams in his book, Competent to Counsel, and his book, The Christian Counsel Manual. Uh, he has identified seven principles that relate to uh, sex within marriage. I just want to share these with you. Uh, number one, he said that sexual relations within marriage are holy and good. God encourages such relations and warns against the cessation of it. That's a biblical principle from the book of Corinthians chapter 7. Two, pleasure in sexual relations is not sinful, but assumed the body of both parties belong to each other. So the, the key thing here is that the church, and especially the, the, the I don't want to mention the a particular church here, but the, the, the Catholic Church has always been very, very, uh, their view of sex has always been very, very harsh, right? They're, they're, they're against contraceptives, they're against every, basically, but they've never, that's why they've got Mary as the Immaculate Conception and all this kind of thing, right? So the whole idea is that it, it, the more celibate you, are, celibate you are, somehow you're more holy you are. That is a concept that is being that is conveyed within the Catholic fraternity. Uh, and I think it, it, it negativizes the biblical concept that uh, the pleasure in sin is something that God has designed and ought to be enjoyed, etc. Uh, sexual pleasure is to be regulated by the principle that one's sexuality is not to be self-oriented, but other-oriented. And that, um, in particular, has the, um, reminds us that like masturbation is wrong because it's self-directed. But again, that's a biblical principle. Sex should be other-directed rather than self-directed. Uh, number four, sexual relations within marriage are to be regular and continuous. No exact number of times per week is advised, but the principle is that both parties are to provide such adequate sexual satisfaction that both burning, or what you call sexual desire, and the temptation to find satisfaction outside the marriage is avoided. I think that's a, a very good balance there, etc. And then the fifth principle he mentioned is that the principle of satisfaction means that each partner is to provide sexual enjoyment as frequently as the other party desires. But other principles that I mentioned before that moderate this, like moderation, seeking to please the other, temperance, also come into play. Consideration for one's mate involves regula uh, regulating w one's requests for sexual relations. Requests for sexual satisfaction may not uh, must not be governed by an idolatrous lust. That's how he defines it. And then number six, he says, in accordance with the principle of rights, we have in rights, there is to be no sexual bargaining between married couples. I will not have sex with you unless neither party has a right uh, to bargain. And then the seventh one he, he points out is a very sexual relations in marriage are equal in reciprocity. In other words, Paul does not give the man superior rights to the wife. It is clear then that the mutual stimulation and mutual 
initiation are legitimate within marriage. So it should not always be the man initiating marriage, etc., etc. Uh, and this should be. Uh, so I think that these seven principles that he mentioned, um, quite frankly, uh, I think these would help. I don't even think people are aware that these are biblical principles. I mean, I don't see any one of that if I was an unsaved man would say, I agree with that one, I agree with that one. But the church has been silent in these type, uh, in, in those kind of things. Um, the other thing I would say, Nathan, that if you're going to resolve some of these problems is what I call the indispensable need for a mandated premarital counseling before people go into marriage. And I would say that uh, areas that should be covered in this uh, mandated premarital thing would be finances, in-laws, sex, communication, personality differences, expectations, love, and conflict resolution. I think those are areas that ought to be covered, and the persons going into marriage, those should be covered. Can you mention those again? Yeah, finances, in-laws, sex, communication, personality differences, expectations, Conflict resolution and love, right? I think those are uh, should be should be done. And then the other thing I would say, um, Nathan, the last thing I would say is that uh, I think sex education need to be taught if it if it is going to be taught in schools, uh, need to be taught within the context of moral principles. And I think it should involve the parents and the the. the the, the, the pastors and their wives. I think if I was the Ministry of Education or an I, if, if they, they felt that it was necessary to teach sex education to the, uh, to the children, I think it should be involved in teaching the parents how to teach it to the children. And uh, if they are not going to be able to teach, the, uh, some parents should be there while this is being taught to the children because I am not of the opinion that uh, people teaching sex from a non-moral print, uh, um, context can really do an adequate job in really uh, dealing with the matter. I think it's more of a pictorial presentation of these type of things and uh, rather than uh, teaching moral principles, abstinence, and, and stuff like that. And then <clears throat> and So I do feel that the church, I think the, the government and the education uh, should really... Um, or should I say, try to use uh, pastors and their wives to um, to do this in the schools, and I, I think that pastors should be willing um, to to be volunteer to to be prepared to deal this kind of thing rather than let people who are non-Christians in the first case who themselves are probably engaged in secular activity outside of marriage then how can those people properly instill the uh, proper way and the biblical way of understanding what sexuality is all about. So I think that uh, pastors and their wives uh, and parents should be involved in any form of sexual education and if they involve the government training them or asking pastors and, and their pastors' wives to, to do a training program, I really think that's the way to go. Uh, and I think this would help to bring back a, a more healthy view of sexuality within the context of the, of the school. Because when those kids are in the school and leave the school, uh, something has to be done to curb this um, moral morass that we have out there that is spreading and, and um, it's not helping the situa- situation in society at all. 
Pastor, I have a uh, question that's come in from a listener. It's referencing a study that Franklin Graham referenced on Facebook. It says, researchers found that one-third or more one-third or more of senior pastors within evangelical churches that they surveyed said they believe that people can merit salvation based solely on their good works. I saw that. Somebody sent me that from the Internet, and it is shameful. And it shows you the very low level of theological, I, I don't say training, but I think the 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 whole mindset is not biblical at all. I mean, it's very, very clear that the Bible <coughs> makes it quite clear that we're not saved by our works and that we're saved by grace and through faith in Jesus Christ. To have one-third of the pastors now making a claim that you can be a good person and they get into heaven shows you where the apostasy that Paul talks about, they'll be a fallen away uh, before he returns. I think that we are part of that, that we're seeing that happening at all quarters. The same thing is happening not only at that level, Nathan. Uh, you've got people who are arguing that people can be homosexuals and Christians and lesbians and Christians. and It could be anything to then to be a Christian. It's getting away from the biblical uh, stand on these matters. Pastor, we have Codrington on the air. Codrington, thank you for calling. And please go ahead very quickly with your question. We just have a couple minutes left in the program. Okay, um, I want to let's listen me out, and um, I want to say something. Um, because the, because I tell God that how he should have put um, the, the mind of Eve to tell her about the devil was going to be in the cheek, rather she going to know that the food up in the cheek to eat. This. So I think the Lord is suffering me because I use that rejection because he, the devil, he should have tell that the devil was going to be in the tree and beware of him rather than tell she that the food or other than the food because I okay. would and, and, and I, I know I, I'm, I'm having trouble following you Connerton yes. uh, your phone connection is not real clear if you can very quickly what is your question my question is the Lord is punishing me right because I said I asked people this question God shouldn't tell that the devil was going to be in the tree and if he talked to you don't listen to him but he instead now he used a food and the food was he, he tell her now she don't understand because there's a lot of food in the garden you know why he going to eat out, out of that so so that's why he's punishing me because you know I yet have million francs from somebody use my name and forge it to somebody and I only get Okay, Codrington, I'm. I had a very hard time. I, I think Pastor he was referencing the fact that uh, maybe God had given Eve a warning that Satan was going to be in the tree, and she uh, was confused. Can Can you just give a biblical summary of what actually happened in the garden there, and with the as a result of what happened, what are the consequences that we are experiencing today? Well, look. Um, we're locked to the Bible alone, so that we can't speculate what we think the Lord might have told Eve. What well, we're told in the Bible, quite, quite frankly, that man was tested, created perfect, tested in the Garden of Eden, and, and God put one simple restriction. You can have everything you want, but this one tree 
don't partake of it. Uh, this is God's command, and God expected man to live in obedience to his command. Uh, of course, the enemy came and was able to get man to do exactly what God said, not what to do. So the Bible talks in the book of Romans that through one man's disobedience, uh, we became sinful, and that sinful nature is now passed on to us uh, through our genes so that uh, David said, I was born in iniquity, and the Bible says, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. So because of what our first parents did, Adam and Eve, that sinful nature has passed down to us, and we are bearing the consequences. So our world is totally messed up because of man's action and man's disobedience. But again, the Bible said that God has provided a way of dealing with the problem, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we might be forgiven, we might be pardoned, we might have our sins removed, we might have the righteousness of Christ, we might have a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. So what God expects of us today is to repent of our sins and put our faith and trust in Jesus. But what happened in the Garden of Eden is having repercussions even today. But God has come up with a solution to the problem. How would you respond if someone said, the Lord should have told Eve that the devil would deceive her? I don't know how to respond to that. The, the The fact is that it should be sufficient that God has mandated you and given you a command. Uh, um, so uh, this is in the realm of speculation. I think that Eve was going to be tested, and uh, the Lord allowed her to be tested. It was whether or not she would trust God and listen to God, or she would listen to another voice. It's the same choice we've got today. We either listen to the voice of God, to the Word of God, or we listen to what the philosophers are saying, what the historians are saying, what the sociologists are saying, what the evolutionists are saying. It boils down to the same thing. Uh, so we are on the test as well as to what we're going to do. Do we heed the Word, or do we listen to other voices? And which voice you ever listen, uh, you listen to, the destiny, uh, the alternative destiny. You listen to God, you put your faith and trust in Christ, you have an eternal hope. You reject His message, you end up in a place called hell and damnation. It's a clear choice. Hell is a real place? Definitely, definitely, Nathan. We've been talking about the topic of marital rape throughout the program tonight. We've got just over two minutes left in tonight's episode, or a minute and a half left. Pastor, how would you like to summarize, or what are some key thoughts that you want us to walk away from the program tonight? Well, the the key thing for me is that, we, first of all, we recognize it's a serious problem. It's been going on for a long time. So marital rape can happen and of does course, happen. It okay. does happen. It does happen. Uh, I, I'm very glad as well that we're becoming more open to deal with these kind of issues so that uh, there's a voice that is now can be heard. You don't have to suffer in silence any longer. I think that's a, a good thing. Uh, the other thing, Nathan, is that um, the complete sexualization of society is having serious repercussions in terms of the morality of the people and the, the actual destroying the home and the family. I think that's a reality. I wish that somehow, I, I, I believe that there should be a level of censorship on, on um, uh, for example, cable television and stuff like that. I do believe that. I think that uh, certain things that are allowed to be shown ought to be um, regulated, etc. I do feel that uh, as well that there need to be a much greater control on the use of the internet, the computer, etc., etc. And above all, uh, I feel that the whole problem of pornography is really um, creating a, a greater problem we have. But then there are biblical answers as well. And I hope that the church uh, plays a prominent role in presenting 
a more positive view of sex and I hope that there's some way that the government can recognize that they've got an untapped resource that can be used effectively within the schools to help with Christian uh, moral education and sex education if it is deemed that it's necessary part of the curriculum. If you're listening this evening and you're saying, I have a problem with pornography, how can I be helped? Pastor did two full episodes on it. Google That's Truth podcast and look at the archive. Look for episode number 26 and 27. It's entitled Pornography. We trust it will be beneficial to you. Thanks for joining us for tonight's episode. Thank you for joining us for today's program. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's Word to strengthen your faith. Now you've heard it. That's truth. Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth, Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kilohertz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.